You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. We have another repeat guest all the way from Australia. Brody's back. Welcome, bro. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, we love having you on the podcast. It's always (laughs) good to chit chat with you. Even if our time zones are absolutely opposite each other, it's like 2 p.m. for me. It's 7 a.m. for you. Yeah. Thank you for getting up early for us. No, that's fine. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I love chatting with you, Michelle, and also just seeing like you produce content is, yeah, so inspiring as a designer. Oh my goodness. We have so much to talk about. And I think I had messaged you on Instagram immediately after the Canva Create conference yeah. where they dropped all their new features, new updates. When I tell you I'm such a nerd for this stuff that I went to my parents' (laughs) house and I made them pull it up on their huge TV and I said, sit down and watch this. I need you to watch this because they use Canva in their interior design business. There are so many amazing features. You and I are so pro Canva. This is a Canva stan account. Talk to us about Canva. You are so in it even more than I am. So for the people that don't know or someone who's just getting into Canva, give us the whole rundown. Yeah, well, essentially, like I'm a qualified graphic designer, brand designer. I work prolifically with clients that need brand design done in a professional setting like the Adobe Creative Suite. But a couple of years ago, I started producing Canva templates for my clients. It was a really good, tangible way for them to be able to utilize the brand in digital marketing. And essentially from there, Canva reached out to me, invited me to be a creator. So when I'm not really busy with my brand design clients, I actually create Canva templates and elements in the back end. And I get paid a royalty for every time that they're used. So I guess from that standpoint, when I'm creating content in Canva for my clients, it's at a scale and a level that is approved by Canva. So they do actually have a lot of like rules and standards when it comes to creating design in Canva. And there are a lot of creators that are designers and there's a lot of creators that are not designers. So they have to maintain a level of standards for those content creators for the back end of Canva. But yes, again, I love Canva. I talk about it quite a lot over on my socials as well as, you know, on my website, I have masterclasses and so forth. But in essence, I think what it's done, and I've said this before in a different podcast episode, it's really disrupted the design industry. There's always going to be a need for professional graphic designers, but on a scale for small businesses, being able to jump in and just create a post or an advert it's really kind of like allowed design to be more accessible for small businesses. And like we've seen the stats over the last couple of years since COVID, so many more people are starting their own business or they've got a side hustle and they need to create their own graphics. So yeah, I just think Canva is really accessible in terms of starting out, starting your small business. And then you get to a point where you're just like, okay, now I need to outsource this and get somebody else to do the rest. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Canva Creates is an event that they hold roughly every six months. I went to the first one, which was really exciting. They announced a lot of big kind of like updates in terms of the platform and the abilities. And then in March, they had another Canva Creates. I was invited, but I was moving house, so I could not go. Oh, (laughs) so sad about. But they had a lot of updates around the existing platform features, but just expanding on them. Many of them revolved around AI, integrating like a bit of like AI features, which I think is huge at the moment with kind of like everything. 
But, you know, one thing that I love about Canva is that they invest so much money into their platform in terms of updating the features, taking on board feedback and rolling out edits. But something that they also do, which I think is just like mind blowing, is the fact that they allow schools to have Canva for free. Like the next generation of designers that we see coming through, like our industry is going to be epic. Like it's just going to be so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just like was really excited about the updates that they announced and yeah, even just being able to have a conversation with another designer that also. That talks the talk. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, you'd be surprised, Brody, this week on TikTok live, I was on TikTok making graphics for San Diego Open using Canva. And somehow my live got pushed out in the algorithm to all the Canva haters. <laughs> oh, no. And I was getting absolutely barraged in the comments saying, this is so embarrassing. How dare you call yourself a designer if you're going to use Canva? Like it's Adobe Sweeter bust. You can't possibly be charging money for this. And I said, you know what? I'm going to laugh all the way to the bank because this is like going to end up being a $60,000 project. So no one is keeping you here. Yeah, you can go. But also I'm trying to share with you for free. So I'm here showing you this is the way that we can pull this together and create assets that exactly like you said, are actually usable by people that aren't designers. That's exactly the value add of Canva. And it was so interesting to watch Canva create on the heels of going to Adobe Max. Yeah. Because you can just tell that Adobe's like kind of shaken in their boots over Canva because their whole message of Adobe Max was design so easy. Anyone can do it. And I said, you've just said that to an entire room of designers. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) That killed me because although design should be accessible, absolutely. That's not the market positioning of the Adobe Creative Suite. No, it's not. Adobe Creative Suite is this is the Michelin star kitchen of design programs. This is the absolute best of the best, best tool money can buy program. Yeah. And Canva if they really wanted to be to position themselves apart from Canva, they'd say, that's the tool that like the hobbyists can use or small business owners or teachers or nonprofits. Like that's great for them, but we're going to be over here. And instead they're trying to take up so much of the market share of this, like so easy, anyone could do it, which is kind of the Canva value add is that you don't have to be a designer to be able to make things. What do you think of all of that stuff? And that's how Canva's really made their position in the market. Like they literally allow anyone to have a free account. First of all, like a free account, you can't do that with Adobe. They are affordable. So it's like what, $17, $18 Australian a month compared to Adobe, which I think right now it's like $80, $90 a month. And obviously like I utilize Adobe for the more complicated design features and, you know, like print and all those things. But what's not to say that Canva with their I think they're up to over 125 million monthly users. What if they develop a platform that eventuates to be like Adobe? Right. That allows you to create the vector artwork, that allows you to export for print, have a lot more control over the output and the quality. You know, what happens if they take part of that market and then what's Adobe going to do? Because right now, like if you are not a designer and you download Adobe, it's really scary. Like there are so many different features and capabilities in Adobe, which I love. Like I'm not hating on Adobe. I just think, you know, disruption in industry is quite standard across, you know, the whole history of human beings, right? Like that's how we develop buttons. Evolution. Yep. Evolution, right? Like this is how we go through history. 
without that disruption, like what's not to say that, you know, if Canva didn't exist or didn't come around, what's not to say that Adobe would just have full market share and would be able to control that and drive up prices of their membership? Like Canva coming in and leaving them a little bit scared in their boots is not a bad thing. Like this is how we're going to end up with better platforms, better services, better, you know, features, and I'm all for it. I'm here to see not the competition. Like you are so correct when you say Canva is accessible, but it doesn't mean that you don't need a designer. Right. It just means like when you and I are creating templates for our clients, like they don't need to come back to us every couple of days for a new post. Like they have the template, they can update the content, the writing, and they can repost. I think what we're doing is we're just being savvy in terms of technology and how fast it evolves. And then how us as designers can integrate that into our business to not only expand our service offerings, but also to like the amount of money I've made from offering Canva templates and just Canva for clients is bonkers. Yeah, crazy. And they're happier and they're more successful. When you're giving people tools that they can use, that they feel comfortable using, that they know are going to look good, you're giving that person their autonomy back and you're getting your time back. A bit of control, yes. I'll charge a premium for sure. I'll create your full suite of Instagram stories, graphics, post graphics, reels, templates, da, 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 da. So you can just go for it. And then you don't have to work with us, but then you want to work with us because you want to work with us for monthly social media management because you know that our knowledge of Canva is tenfold what yours is as a business owner. Then like that feels such a better place to be in than having people come to you because they feel like they literally cannot do it themselves. Yeah, like the amount of clients that I've had come to me for like a rebrand or a refresh and they've just said, you know, I worked with a designer or a logo designer and they gave me this file and it's like one file. How were they meant to take that one file and tangibly use that to create on-brand assets that support them on every touch point? Like you think about a small business owner and all the different touch points that you have in your business, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, your email marketing, whether it's your website, whether it's when they click to check out, like what do they see? All of those different touch points come together to cohesively create that branding experience. And also when you think about going to a website and you're going to check out and you're going to spend $100 or whatever it might be, does it look legitimate? Like how is that process going from start to finish? And does it, you know, essentially legitimize your business and what you're offering? Yeah, I think that that ties in so well to This is what building a brand is, right? It's no longer just having, we have our three fonts, six colors and two logos. There's way more involved. There's what your stories look like. What do your highlights look like? How does your print material look? How does your merch function for you? And I think one of the assets that was rolled out in this last Canva Create that's so helpful on this front is the brand hub. Yes. Do you love brand hub or what? I do. I actually have a free masterclass on it on my website where I walk through and actually upload all of the assets from a client's brand into the brand hub. And I talk about the benefits of the brand kit, being able to share the brand kit with other users or team members, also like the ability to set brand controls. So if you are a part of a team where maybe you've got a few rogue employees or you know, VAs that maybe like to throw in a color here and there or add in a different font and it just isn't professional. Like you can set those brand controls so that they can't do that. I'm actually presenting a masterclass with Creative Pro. So they do a whole bunch of different masterclasses 
based on the design, you know, Adobe Creative Suite, they've just recently added in Canva. And so I'm doing a presentation with them on how to use Canva from the perspective of an in-house graphic designer. Ooh. So not like a business owner like you and I, what we do, but more so from the perspective of a yeah in-house designer where you are dealing with, you know, fellow colleagues and employees who may need the ability to utilize the brand assets in Canva to create different things. I think that that's a really interesting different perspective as well when we think about bigger enterprises and corporations and some of the biggest, you know, corporations in the world use Canva. Yeah. I mean, I think about it with Hotel Lobby Candle, right? Like we've gotten to a point with them where everything that touches the brand lives in Canva because it's this 30,000 foot view of what's the social team doing versus what's the packaging ideation to what's the workflow. Like I've been using the whiteboard function to create SOPs that say, here's the exact order of operations of how something goes from idea to production. And these are all the deliverables on the path. And then I have all of those linked out to the actual templates that this is, you know, the ideation deck is different than the packaging deck is different than the social media deck is different than the photographer creative brief. And all of those documents are now managed within a system that makes it turnkey so that it can get to the point where I'm not doing that every time, but that they've got staff on their team that understands like, okay, we're going to hire a lifestyle photographer to shoot a candle in this city on this theme. I'm going to go pull the resource that I know is built for me that I know there are only parameters that I can touch, right? There's only going to be a certain locked number of assets that are editable to maintain brand integrity. And I think you hit on something that's really strong that what we're getting at, the biggest problem solved from the Canva side is like, we're creating trust with your audience by showing up consistently. There's kind of this great analogy of like, if you were in grade school and you were sitting next to a kid that every single day came in dressed totally differently, right? Like one day they were prep and the next day they were goth. And then the next day they were a jock and you just be like, who the heck are you? And how am I going to be able to synthesize and understand who you are and like whether we're the same or not, if you're constantly showing up differently yeah. versus the person that's steadfast and like, this is my style. This is what I believe. This is what I value. Like, like it or leave it. This is who I am is a much more compelling sell than someone who's all over the map. Absolutely. And I also think of like the analogy of don't expect to be recognized if every day you're showing up with a different face. Yep. Like your clients and your consumers are not going to recognize who you are as a business or a brand. They're not going to understand your values. Like if you are consistently showing up very much to how you do on socials, you are 100% your brand and people recognize that even before they realize who it is that they're looking at. It's like they've already, the back of their brain recognized. Clocked it. Yeah. And, you know, that really does legitimize your service offerings and who you are as a business as well. So yeah, 100%. Canva just makes it more accessible for people to do that or businesses to do that, I guess, on the small business side of things. But even like just seeing enterprises start to use it is really interesting. And I've said this before, the fact that Canva have allowed Canva to be free for schools. Yeah, I love that part too. I'm so excited to see this next generation of designers come through. and. It's just going to allow people, even like in low budget areas, to be utilizing a piece of software that otherwise they would have to pay, you know, a higher premium subscription with Adobe. And now it's just like, well, okay, I'm going to see, like, I have to think about myself in high school. I loved PowerPoint. And, you know, like that's how I started 
I guess, getting interested in design, but think about the limited features in PowerPoint now compared to, you know, where we are. Yeah, it just would have, I guess, made it a little bit more accessible for me to explore that interest at a younger age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people ask me all the time through TikTok comments or Instagram DMs like, oh, I'm a college student or I'm a high school student. I want to learn. What programs should I learn? Like, where do I even start? And I said, honestly, Canva, just dive headfirst into Canva and create so much opportunity for yourself within knowing that software really well, because there's still tenants of graphic design that make things work or not work in Canva. So kind of walk us through your creative process. Like when you're designing Canva templates, for example, that are getting sold on the back end of Canva, what are the things that are just kind of the foundations or the base level graphic design that you know it has to have this? Like, for example, we want an image and text, but it needs to have like contrast and composition and flow. Like talk us through some of the things that to you stand out as being a good Canva template versus being a not so good Canva template. Yeah, well, when I approach a designing in the back end of Canva, I always have the mindset of a small business in the back of my head because that's kind of like my target audience and that's who I design for. So yeah, that's kind of like my main key messaging is, okay, am I designing a sale template? Am I designing something that promotes a freebie download? You know, maybe a client wants to upload an image of like an ebook that they want to sell on their website and maybe this is going to help them promote that. Canva has a lot of set rules in terms of creating templates and the kind of content that you can share. So that's why you see a lot of the templates that have like really great site.com mm-hmm. and things like that. Like you have to have a set amount of content provided data. Yeah. But yeah, it's also like thinking about, okay, I guess as a creator of Canva, how I get paid is based on how many people actually use it. So I want to make something that's quite, you know, visually captivating eye-catching. Yeah. But also that, you know, might have the base amount of information that a the majority of small businesses would use. So that would be like sale post with like a promo code and like the expiry date and maybe a graphic that they can just chop and change in terms of like uploading an image. But, you know, going back to design, like it's always considering the basic design principles. So, you know, like balance, hierarchy, color, all of the things that come together to create something that is not just a mishmash, You want it to be quite, you know, beautiful and for somebody to look at it. And I think I actually had a Canva template that has been downloaded over a million times. Oh my gosh. And the way that Canva works in terms of their royalty pool is it's, you don't get paid the same royalties every month. The royalty pool is based on the amount of subscribers that they have and a percentage of those subscription payments go into a royalty pool. And then based on the amount of downloads that you're you know, your template or your elements might have, then you get paid your commission. But like it's created a income stream in my business that, you know, even if I don't create anything for a month, like I'm still going to get paid that royalty pool based on what gets used. So yeah. That's awesome. I think it's a really interesting path as well, because I think of the designers that might be listening to this podcast that they don't like doing client one-on-one work. They don't enjoy that part of the process. So to be able to tackle something like this, where you have the client in mind, you're thinking of the project, but you're able to execute on it without having to have that pushback necessarily of like the client process and having to appeal to them. That's really attractive as well, right? It's like, that's a great opportunity for someone who doesn't enjoy the client facing side of it. Yeah. And sometimes like being able to create without the boundaries of a client brief can be really awesome. Mm -hmm. I was just going to ask what some of your favorite 
new functions of Canva that you've been loving since the last time that we talked? Yes. Well, they announced in March some of the new features that they have launched. A couple of them revolve around like AI. And I know that that's like a big trending topic at the moment because like chat GBT, all the things. So I guess Canva have announced they've got the magic design, the magic write and the magic edit. Mm -hmm. Magic edit. Yeah. So in terms of like being able to edit a photo or change, add something into a photo, I've stopped using Photoshop because me and Photoshop don't get along 100% of the time. Me either. I just said this to someone yesterday. I was like, Photoshop and I are not friends. It's so funny. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, being able to use those AI features and just being able to, you know, type in a sentence that says, create a dog with a bumblebee on its head. I don't know, whatever you want to do, it has the ability to put that together. And, you know, when you think traditionally of like how many hours that would take you in Photoshop, like it's kind of crazy. Totally. Yeah. It doesn't negate the need for obviously having Photoshop in a more professional setting and being able to really customize what that image looks like. But if you are just on the go trying to put together content, you know, our universe is, it's no longer, okay, I've got a month to put this together. It's like, okay, I needed that yesterday because TikTok is, you know, flaring on this topic and I need to create some content. It's just like, okay, we have to be a lot faster with how we do things and how, you know, we deliver things as well. A couple of other features that they did, they put out a bit more of an animation feature in terms you can create your own paths for different, you know, animation features, which is cool. The brand hub, which we already spoke about, the brand kit, being able to control like, you know, the brand elements and showing that with team members and the draw tool, which I think I missed that, you know, is in like, there's been so many different things that I wish that I could just be like, I really just want to draw in an arrow or like, you know, as a designer. So implementing that draw tool has been really fun. And I think, again, when it comes to those kids in school that are learning Canva at such a young age, being able to have that draw tool will allow them to kind of like explore even just drawing and illustration. And you never know, it could be the next master illustrator comes out of learning the draw tool in Canva. Absolutely. There's still a handful of things that aren't Canva. And I think when I was on TikTok Live the other day and I was explaining to people, Someone asked, like, how much time are you spending in Canva versus the Adobe Creative Suite? And I'd say probably 80-20 for me, because there are still some things that you do need to lay out in Illustrator for now. And that's really the difference between raster and vector artwork. Vector being based on math, raster being based on dots of color. And the issue of scalability is something that we run into with Canva, which doesn't seem unfixable in the future, right? No. Well, like, it's super exciting. So... Canva reached out to the Canva creators and did like, I guess, a bit of a survey to see what kind of features we would want to see in the future. And as I said before, they do input a lot of money into creating a better platform. And one of the questions that they wanted to know is like, what features would we want to see? And vector artwork was definitely one of those options. So I think in the future, I won't be surprised if they roll out a feature of Canva that allows you to export for print in vector, you know, based high quality print PDFs and things like that. Because I guess the struggle that my small businesses have now is that, yes, they come to me for templates, which for digital marketing is fantastic. But when it comes to print quality packaging, they still are reliant on designers to do those jobs. And don't get me wrong, it's taken me years and years and years to get to a point where I'm super comfortable with 
you know, packaging files for print, sending to print, doing actually like packaging design with all the different die cut templates and things like that. Right. I don't think there'll ever not be a need for a designer to do that. But I do think a few features that we would see coming out of Canva in the future would be around vector artwork and things like that. Totally. And I wonder if that will change the trademarkableness of the assets that come out of Canva. Yeah, the whole commercial licensing around all the assets in Canva, essentially, like right now, you can't utilize an element in Canva for a trademark unless it's like a really simple line or circle or square, like a shape that is standard. but Universal. Universal. Thank you. But when it comes to trademarking a logo and trademarking like your brand, like I can't imagine a situation where you would ever want to trademark something that's just got a circle and a line through it or whatever that might look like. Yeah. You still definitely need a designer to be able to do something quite unique because the licensing for all of the elements in Canva is non-exclusive. So that means you can't trademark it, you can't copyright it because somebody else has designed it and it's designed for non-exclusive purposes. For example, when I create icons and graphics for the back end of Canva, like as a designer, I know that that could get used and somebody might put it on a t-shirt and sell it. Cool. The reality is, is that you aren't actually allowed to use the elements to sell as a standalone piece of design. You have to do something to it to change it or to edit it or to create it like your own unique piece of design. So if you wanted to make like a mermaid inspired t-shirt, graphic on Canva, you cannot export that, slap it on a t-shirt and sell it if it's something pre-made. If you've only just selected one graphic and it's a mermaid and then you just export it and sell it, no. Slap it on a shirt. You have to add something to it to create a unique design and then you can sell it. Interesting. So maybe you put, you know, like a piece of coral in the background. Yeah. So it is quite complex in terms of the commercial licensing, but When it comes down to it, as long as you're creating unique designs, whether you're chucking a few different elements together with editing things, you can then sell it. And that's why I guess sellable Canva templates is such a huge market. Like you look at Etsy, you look at creative market, like it's a big market. But at the end of the day, like you have to make sure that you're looking up the commercial licensing and the rules around creating sellables. Yeah, that's a really interesting whole rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. I have like not gotten into that whole passive income opportunity as far as like creating assets in that way or selling assets. But I think it's fascinating. And I think like we said, like there's so many opportunity. I just get too ingrained in the client projects. Yeah. (laughs) I get so in it because that's truly, truly my favorite thing. And as I told you before we even started recording, you'd be embarrassed to know that I haven't added anything unique to Pinterest in, I want to say even longer than eight months, probably a year. Pinterest brings you the majority of your clients. Yeah. So I want you to school me and say, Michelle, (laughs) here's all the things that you should be doing with your Pinterest account to get visibility on Pinterest as a designer. Yeah. Well, I feel like you can school me on TikTok and I'll school you on Pinterest. (laughs) Perfect. Done. So yeah, essentially 90% of my work comes from Pinterest in a sense that I utilize Pinterest to kind of like upload my portfolio whenever I finish a brand design client's project. I create and I utilize my employees to help me create Pinterest pins that are then scheduled and set in Pinterest. The lifetime of a Pinterest pin is, I guess, not limited. I've got Pinterest pins that, lo and behold, I posted like four years ago. Like, don't look at those. Same, same. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, you know, that is still providing me with traffic to my website. 
which is essentially like when you think about as a service provider, what I'm trying to highlight, people might be going into Pinterest to, hey, I'm going to put together a mood board for my style inspiration for a photo shoot. And then all of a sudden they find a local photographer that does the style that they want. So I got into a just a pattern of like every time I did like a brand that I really loved, where I would post it to Pinterest and schedule that in. And so now I've got like almost 4 million monthly viewers, the amount of traffic that I get to my website, even if it's just, it could even just be a junior designer that just saw what I, what I designed. They like what I did. They jump onto my website. They might look at my masterclasses. They might subscribe for emails. I guess by doing this, I've created a really healthy email subscribe list. I also give away like freebies by my website. So just having that process of, hey, click on my pin, go to my website, check out what else I do. Right. So there's a a few different types of pins since I've last kind of really done a deep dive on Pinterest. It used to be just the pin itself that you would then add a description to and link to your website. Then there are also stories pins, and maybe I'm getting the terminology wrong, but you could upload multiple images to one. I also noticed that Pinterest video had a bit of a moment. And I got an email like a few months ago that said like Pinterest live is now a thing. Like you can live stream on Pinterest. And I was like, (laughs) I don't even know who is doing this, but maybe people are. I'm not sure. So what features do you utilize the most? What would you say for someone who's trying to get back into Pinterest? Where should you focus your effort? Start basic and just do pins. Static pins. Idea pins were like a big thing. And in terms of like those story style pins where you could add in multiple one after the other. I think Pinterest in the last month have actually just stated that they're going to take away idea pins. Oh. Don't hold my word to it, but I think that they have done a little bit of a change to like how they're going to continue in terms of content in the future. But one thing that I have noticed is, and like a top tip that I would give to anyone that wants to get into it, I create GIFs. So what I do is I just create a static image of something to do with a like a brand. But then I put them all together into an animated GIF. So what they do is it revolves like a video. I upload that to Pinterest and they perform really well. And it's not something that everyone knows about. So there we go. That's a hot tip right there. Yeah, I think that's really helped me in terms of like creating content that catches somebody's eye. Because when you go to Pinterest and you're looking at a whole bunch of different things, if something is moving, like I feel like because it's not standard, it definitely grabs people's attention. Let's talk about some of the usage rights and the intellectual property when it comes to Pinterest, because there is kind of gray area there too, right? Oh, yeah. So I thought like we really were going to have a moment with shuffles. I really have not used it since I talked about it the first time. (laughs) But the idea of shuffles really alleviated that. And if you're unfamiliar, shuffles is an app released by Pinterest. You can take images from your board and collage them. But the brilliant thing that it did is it remained and retained the links back to the original pin. Yeah. Because my understanding is that the upload of any type of content to Pinterest is default intellectual property of the person that uploaded it. Yeah. Therefore, it is not yours to use commercially. It is not yours to use for your projects. It's not yours to post on Instagram. And if you're going to post an Instagram still in the year 2023, if you're going to post an Instagram that says photo credit Pinterest, I'm going to stab my eyes out. Yeah. Look, to be honest, I think whenever you're posting your content that you've created or a brand that you've designed on the internet, doesn't matter anywhere, you run the risk of somebody ripping it off, copying it. I was recently actually 
only like two weeks ago, reached out by somebody who said, hey, just checking in, did you design this brand? And I was like, yeah, I did that. And she's like, what about this one? I'm like, yep, I did that too. Yep, all designed by me. She said, oh, I just had an interview with a graphic designer who claimed that they had designed <gasps> all of the branding, but <laughs> your business name was on the bottom. <laughs> so, How embarrassing. Somebody had, <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, no. I know. I'm just like, <laughs> so the reality is, is that if people are going to copy your work or rip off your pins or rip off any designs that you put out onto the internet, I guess it's really hard because you can't stop them or prevent them. But I think having an open conversation about how actually like that's not okay. They might not understand that that's actually illegal. But yeah, I don't use any like anyone else's images on like mood boards or anything like that. I know that that's no go. But what I do do with my clients is that I do get them to put together a mood board of like the kind of styles that they like. And that way I can, you know, I explain to them, I say, it helps me understand, you know, what aesthetic you like, but I can also read between the lines as a designer and see what you're not pinning. And I think that that's a really good way to visually communicate with a client who sometimes might not be able to say what they want. Mm -hmm. No, we use Pinterest for every single project, no matter what, like the amount of Pinterest boards. That's the other thing. The amount of Pinterest boards I have on my Pinterest is criminal, criminal, because anytime that I have an idea, I make a board. So it's almost like I need two Pinterest accounts. I need one just for my ideas and another one to actually market myself. But maybe they can all be in one. I was in a really good rhythm for a while where similar to you, I was using them to kick off the project. And then I was going back into that board and uploading all the pins from the final project that linked to my website so that you could see the inspiration. You could see the sections. I love the sections. We love sections. Yeah, sections. And the boards to say like, this is your color inspiration versus your typography inspiration versus your photography or illustration inspiration, your merch inspiration, separating out those ideas is really helpful. And I think you're spot on. Like sometimes clients will give you stuff, but they don't have the vocabulary to describe why they like what they like. But a trained eye with aesthetics can say, oh, I'm noticing that you're pinning a lot of rustic textures. What about thinking about these other rustic textures that might go with your brand? We can pick up on those things. Yeah, I think it's fun. So you have your clients submit Pinterest boards to you first, huh? Yeah. So when I do, well, you know, once they're onboarded and they've signed the agreement and so forth, like I do a branding questionnaire and a bit of a deep dive and I get them to submit me a Pinterest board. And then we discuss like the reoccurring theme. So like, as you said before, you know, I might notice that they've pinned a few things that have a specific font style. And so we might explore that in a concept. What I've started doing, which I think is the way that I want to work in the future, to be honest, I've done VIP days. And I've offered that for like the last couple of years. And what that means is that instead of doing it over like a three, four, five, six week timeline, like we're actually jumping straight into it and being able to get their, you know, live feedback on something or a font or a style is so incredible and fast Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I really just want to continue doing that because I love being one-on-one with a person. I get a lot out of like the personal interaction as well as You know, like even just being able to talk through something and educate them around, you know, maybe a graphic design principle or why we would do things a certain way. Yeah, I think they get a lot out of it too. So I'm doing a lot more of those and that's been really, you know, instrumental in my design process and even just being able to communicate about design and the reason why we're doing something. Yeah. And I think that fits perfectly aligned with your sweet spot of small business owners, right? It's like, they may not have tens of thousands of dollars and five weeks to do branding that's really going to exist maybe only at their 
craft fair business that they sell handmade soaps. You know what I mean? Like not everyone needs all the bells and whistles. And that's exactly the point. But you still want that person to be successful and you want to set them up on Canva and you want to make sure that you understand their vision on Pinterest and be able to assist them in the best way possible. And for that, VIP day makes all the sense in the world. It's like super turnkey. They feel really involved. They feel taken care of in like a concierge style way. So like, I love that opportunity as well. I think that that's so smart. Yeah. Also, like people are starting to want things a lot faster these days. True. Yeah. So it's also allowing them to have the files within a couple of days. But also if they've started this small business or medium-sized business themselves in Canva, they've kind of DIY'd it, typically they will have a little bit of a creative flair. So they will know what they like when they see it, but they'll also know what they don't like when they see it. So I think that can be really powerful as well. Yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. We covered two really great topics today, Canva and Pinterest. I know. Wow. Okay. So top tips. Tell us, hit it. Jump into Canva, make sure that you use the brand hub. I think that that would be really powerful, especially if you have a team. I also think that you need to try out the AI features in Canva when it comes to editing photos or writing content. I also think that if you are not on Pinterest as a service provider, you need to just start just start doing some static pins. Do it the same size as like story posts. Don't overcomplicate it and just be consistent. Ooh, love all of those things. Tell us also one more time about the masterclasses you have on your sites. You, you mentioned your email list. You mentioned your freebies. If someone wants to learn more things from you, where and how can they do that? Yeah, so I've got a free masterclass on my website at the moment about the brand hub. You just have to subscribe for emails. I also have a couple of different masterclasses, one about selling Canva templates legally as well as utilizing Canva for small business from the perspective of a small business owner wanting to DIY some of their digital marketing. I've got a few things on my website like fonts and, you know, downloadables. But also if you want to work with me as a brand designer, check out my services on my website. And yeah, I'm a brand designer based in Australia. I'm not afraid to use color. I consider myself more of a vibrant brand designer. So I implement a lot of illustration But yeah, I really loved catching up with you again, Michelle. Thank you for hosting me. Oh my gosh, per usual. It's been an absolute (laughs) treat. Thank you for starting your day with me and thanks for being on the podcast again. Excellent. Thanks so much, Michelle. I appreciate it. See you next time, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.